Welcome everyone, this is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health and today I'm delighted to review with you the questions and answers about my new book, Keto Fast. But before I get into the question and answers, if you haven't already pre-ordered the book, you can go to ketofast.com and get many of the additional bonuses that we have there. So it's ketofast, all one word, .com, no hyphens. And you might be wondering, you know what this book is about and why I wrote it. Well, it's a follow-up to Fat for Fuel. When Fat for Fuel was launched, you may not realize it was the number one book sold in the United States based on Nielsen ratings and Wall Street Journal and USA Today. It was widely accepted because it's a foundational truth and you really need to implement Fat for Fuel before you go into keto fast. Because once I finished that, I, re I started to realize that Fasting, multiple day water fasting was the most powerful metabolic uh, strategy I've ever encountered in over three decades of clinical medicine. And as a result of that, I decided to write the book Keto Fast. And my full intention was to write it uh, and guide people through the process of water fasting. Because historically, it's a very powerful intervention. People have used it for centuries, thousands of years. It's basically an integral part of nearly every major religion in the world and has been. So uh, as I started researching the book, I realized that what multiple day water fasting used to be a good idea and still can be helpful for some people, but for now in the 21st century, uh, it's not a great idea. So I wrote the book Keto Fast, which is essentially a modified version of water day fasting that is A, easier to do, and B, gives you more benefits because you're able to do it more frequently. So that's the broad summary of what catalyzed and motivated the writing of this book. So uh, it comes out April 30th, and uh, it's, I think you're really going to love it. But uh, if you're still on the fence and undecided, uh, let me start to go to the questions and answers section because, uh, and I really, uh, I think they'll help clear it up. But I want to thank you so much. I mean, the just unbelievable number of just terrific questions. So you're really thinking out there and let me try to answer some of them now. So <clears throat> we, have, we had questions posted on Facebook and on our website. So I'll, I'll take the ones on our website first and I'll mention who at least the name of the, not the name of the person, but their login, not login name, but uh, their avatar or the username that they're using on the site. So um, the first one is from Keep Living On. I was wondering if L-glutamine and or L-glycine amino acids can assist in curbing sugar cravings. I've read that glycine actually uses a sweetener. It has a sweet taste. How can these amino acids assist us in any way? Um, so that is really, really good question. And I'm a major fan of glycine. Glycine is useful in so many ways. It's uh, really helpful to serve as a, a, one of the amino acids that's a precursor for glutathione, which is one of your most important internal antioxidants. Uh, and it also really helps uh, balance the damage from taking too much methionine. And methionine is an amino acid that tends to be more concentrated in animal protein. So if you get too much methionine, and not enough glycine, it's a problem. Uh, glycine, uh, normally if you eat the whole animal from nose to tail, it's not a problem because you're eating the connective tissue. The connective tissue is high in 
glycine, proline, hydroxyproline, which balances that out. But most people aren't eating connective tissue or collagen or bone broth. So that's where glycine comes in really handy. And I take uh, a quarter of a teaspoon of glycine. You are correct. It is available as a sweetener. Uh, well, it is sweet. It's not bitter at all. So it, and it could be used as a substitute sweetener, although you don't, you don't it really isn't a great sweetener because you need a lot larger amounts of it. But it's not going to, the, the major issue here is it's going to be easy to swallow because it tastes good. Um, so I take it twice a day. I take about a quarter teaspoon, which is a gram. Um, so it's also useful for helping your collagen and your tendons and your connective tissue. So it's really good. I take it in addition to taking collagen protein. Excuse me. So I think they're both good. Now, glutamine is a very interesting amino acid. It's actually, glycine is the smallest amino acid and glutamine is the most common amino acid and you really need it. The, the only primary downside for glutamine is that it tends to stimulate autophagy. And that's one of the things that we're seeking to maximize in the uh, keto fast. And what is autophagy? Autophagy comes from two Greek words, uh, auto and phagin, uh, which means self-eating. And essentially it's the identification of damaged and defective subcellular parts that are targeted for destruction by the lysosomes. And uh, then they're broken down to the constituent parts. And then those parts like amino acids and fatty acids are recycled to build new and better uh, cellular parts that you can use. And mitochondria too, they actually has a different term, it's called mitophagy, but essentially the same concept. So you can use glutamine if you're in the, in the, the days that you aren't partial fasting, uh, but you do not, do not want to use it on the keto fast days because that would, act, that would be counterproductive. And other things along the lines of glutamine would be um, methylfolate or methyl B12, uh, certainly any branched-chain amino acids, or for that matter, even animal protein, which is high in branched-chain amino acids. So you really want to restrict those food sources on the days that you're partial fasting. And we'll get into what the partial fasting is in a moment. So the next question comes from Blue Quasilica. Hi, and good day to you, Dr. Mercola. It sounds like he might be from Australia, or they might be from Australia. First of all, thank you for all you're doing to keep up the good work. My question is regarding fasting and the gallbladder. Lots of questions on this. I've read something previous, somewhere previously on your site. Uh, if you consistently miss your meals at the right time, you will have a negative effect on your gallbladder. The reason I'm stating this is that I'm planning to do a multi-day fast every other month and don't know if it will be sustainable in the long run. So the concern is about negative effects from the gall gallbladder, but also quality chick wrote, had her gallbladder removed. She's like one of seven to 800,000 people every year that have their gallbladder removed in the United States alone. That many people. So this is a serious issue for many, many people. I mean, it's a significant percentage of the population. Then Nendula, I said, was the best way for people that do not have a gallbladder. Uh, and uh, Marina. Marinema, I guess, also has had her gallbladder removed. So, excuse me, what can you do? Fortunately, there's very simple solutions for this. The primary solution is to, uh, well, first of all, you don't want to have your gallbladder removed if at all possible, because it's, it uh, serves a very important purpose. It stores bile, and bile is a substance that's produced by your liver and squirt it out by your gallbladder when you need it. And what is its function? Its function is to emulsify fat so you can absorb them better So if and digest them. So if you don't have a gallbladder, then it's gonna be a really good strategy to take digestive enzymes like lipase and then also 
Uh, you can use, even use bile acids. You only have to take those with meals where there's fat. So if you don't have any fat, you know, if you're having fruit or just carbohydrates or just protein, no reason to take it because you won't need it to absorb that. It, you know, the gallbladder really isn't utilized too much in that aspect. So going on to the next question, M-A-Y-S-L-E writes, how do we reconcile the no cheat keto diet to cyclical keto? And how do you make the keto diet sustainable? Can we not eat rice and fruits forever? Great question. And really that was discussed in Fat for Fuel, uh, where I sought to emphasize the importance and help people recognize and understand that going on keto long-term is not a good idea. Don't do it. I did it. I thought it was the best diet for everyone. But then I realized after a certain point, you will actually take your health backwards. So it's really strict keto, which is defined as really a low carb diet, adequate protein and moderate fats, uh, is only appropriate continuously for a short term. It's a transition period where you're teaching your body how to burn fat for fuel. Why is that important? Because what I neglected to mention at the beginning is the motivation for fat for fuel is 85%, 85% of the people in the United States or actually in the developed world, Western world, is uh, insulin resistant. And that number is determined from very sensitive uh, insulin sensitivity assays, which would be the use of a fasting glucose challenge test where you're measure, actually measuring insulin levels too. So 85% of the people are unable to burn fat as their primary fuel. So that's where fat for fuel will help you regain that insulin sensitivity. So once you've regained that, you should not be on continuous keto, continuous. Notice the word continuous. You transition to cyclical keto. And ideally you do it in a feast and famine method. So that's what keto, keto fasting is all about, feast and famine. Food, no food, or very little food. And essentially you're going to replicate our ancient ancestral, our ancestral patterns of the way that people, all of our ancestors ate and, ver and very significant numbers of uh, people do today across the world because you know people still die from not enough food. So we have this intermittent access to food. Very, you know, in the past, hardly anyone had access to continuous food. So as a result, your biochemistry, your genes are adapted for this style of eating. And when you eat continuously, you're going to wreck up your metabolism, essentially. So the strict keto is what's, or continuous keto, is what's used to, to regain that metabolic flexibility. So uh, you, you need to do that before you start cyclical keto. And once you do, and you're in the, so on, a, on the partial fast or the keto fast days, you're doing only three, four, 500 calories. So virtually no carbohydrates and you're strictly fasting. This is after you've obtained metabolic flexibility. So once or twice a week, depending on your specific circumstances, you're not eating hardly anything. And then the next day, you can go crazy. You can have lots of carbs, lots of protein, 100, 150 grams of carbs and protein. You're essentially feasting. So I think, and this, this is my strong belief, and I could be wrong, but I suspect this is very similar to the eating patterns that our ancestors had. Uh, maybe not in this 
specific timing, but it replicates it pretty closely. In other words, it's cycling between feast and famine, and that's what you want to do. And more than likely, you're going to act, get the benefits of fasting. What are the benefits of fasting? What motivated me to write the book? Well, I mentioned autophagy is one. That's one of the primary benefits so that you can repair and regenerate your, sub, your cell, cells and subcellular parts. Uh, the other one is that it will uh, help improve, a whole, decrease oxidative stress, and it will increase your longevity. You know, the only specific intervention that's been known to improve longevity is calorie restriction. Problem is, the compliance with it is terrible. Virtually no one's going to cut their calories down by 20% continuously. And the good news is, you don't have to. All you need to do is intermittently. So, and your body recognizes it as the same strategy and you get the same metabolic benefits. Now, the other huge benefit of intermittent fasting is that you will help facilitate detox. And I'll talk about that more in a moment. And then also you activate your stem cells so that you can increase your body's ability to renew itself. And this is particularly useful if you uh, integrate strength training into the process because on the days that you are uh, partial fasting, you're, uh, and let me describe what the partial fasting is. So you can't do keto fast until you become metabolically flexible and that's defined as essentially be the ability to generate ketones, but usually if you're only eating in a six hour window, so you're eating from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. or some derivative of that, but not too much later, then you're, you do that for a month continuously, no calories in the other 18 hours, you only eat in a six hour window, then you're gonna be metabolically flexible. So, so say you, you, it's nine o'clock in the morning, the last time you ate was 3 p.m. the previous day, so you haven't eaten for 18 hours. So your keto fast day, you will then consume about three to 500 calories based on your lean body mass, and then as one meal. And then, and that's the only thing you eat for a day. And during that day, your growth hormone levels will spike dramatically. So the following day is when you're going to feast. But before you feast on the following day, it's really wise to take full advantage of that activated, activated stem cells and your increase in growth hormone by doing some strength training. So you do the strength training in the morning and then like right afterwards with, or so, then you can feast and have lots of branched chain amino acids or healthy meats, eggs, uh, uh, whey protein concentrate, which is full of branched chain amino acids, which will stimulate mTOR because, uh, and increase IGF-1, which is useful. You know, we're, the, a lot of people make the mistake, they think mTOR and IGF-1 are bad. They're not. It, they're only bad when you activate them continuously and you have high levels. So when you do it intermittently like you were designed to, then you get the benefit. And activating mTOR, which uh, essentially causes anabolic pathways or your body's ability to rebuild muscle uh, and stimulate muscle growth, uh, is really useful, especially as you get older, because uh, sarcopenia or, or age-related muscle loss is a real big issue. So, so D. West Westerfield asked, plant versus animal proteins. Um, what is the advantage of plant over animal? Ha okay. So, interestingly, you can do fat for fuel and keto fast as a vegan or as a carnivore. 
you really can do both. You just have to be careful on how you integrate them. Now, the only caution of a complete vegan approach is that I, I mean, it's possible to do it, but one of the main prop arguments against being a vegan is that they fail to get a really good source of connective tissue, uh, which are high in the amino acids, proline, hydroxyproline, and glycine, which are not, which are somewhat challenging to get in plant sources. So as a result, your collagen production and your increase your risk of connective tissue damage when you're working out and exercising or just doing normal daily chores is increased. So you can take glycine as a supplement, and we talked about that earlier in the first question. So that would be a way to compensate for it because 30% of collagen is glycine, uh, so or connective tissue that you're eating. So that would be, you know, you could probably get some most of the benefit from that. But the, so the key goes back to using the plant versus animal. Well, as I said, you can use both. The only caution is that you need to be careful of glycine if you're just if you're going to be vegan based. So, but you can certainly do it even being a carnivore with absolutely nothing but meat or animal protein. So that when you do use collagen or bone broth, it is so important to understand though that it needs to be organic. Why? Well, glyphosate, one word. And now glyphosate was given that term for a reason. The G-L-Y in glyphosate means glycine. So glycine is a highly phosphorylated toxic derivative of glycine. So what does that mean? It means that it's easy to substitute in when plants eat, when animals eat it, the glyphosate tends to circulate around in their, in their bloodstream and attach to, to areas where that have high amounts of glycine. As we mentioned earlier, the highest amounts of glycine are the connective tissue. So if you're eating CAFO, non-organic bone broth or collagen, and let me assure you, most of the products on the market today are high, are, are not organic. So you have to be very, very assiduous and diligent and make research it really carefully because the last thing you want is non-organic bone broth or collagen. Really one of the most important foods you can eat, but do not have the non-organic because it's loaded with glyphosate. And we all know the damage and dangers of glyphosate. So that's a key thing. So um, now if you're going to, the, the, I guess the key thing for plant protein though would be on the keto fast days. I, I would suggest that most of your protein should be plant-based on the days that you're partial fasting. Again, uh, because it's low in branched-chain amino acids and the branched-chain amino acids like leucine, isoleucine and valine, they will stimulate mTOR and and when you stimulate mTOR, that inhibits autophagy. And what you're trying to do on a partial fast days is activate autophagy, you know, clean up your cells. And you've got, so you've got your brake on the, the accelerator and the, your foot on the brake and the accelerator at the same time. And you're, you're, it's, it's really counterproductive. So don't do that. So we have another uh, person, Real Rose, on our sites who um, has been staying away from grains uh, but has low thyroid and still recovering adrenals and wants to know, and she's been on the site for a long time and again comments regularly, if it's wise to push beyond bulletproof coffee to go full on keto because some people are writing as if you can modify the keto approach to reduce stress in the body. Um, so do you think you can modify carbon to achieve ketosis? Well, 
it's hard to say, but I would encourage you to try it. As I said earlier, continuous ketosis, I don't think is good for anyone. So the key is to become metabolically flexible. And how do you know you, you're able to, your body's able to produce ketones? Once you're able to produce ketones, then you cycle in and out. So strict ketosis is not something you do. Now, and, and with the keto fasting, in fact, I'm not doing keto essentially for five days a week. I'm eating relatively high amounts of, high amounts of carbohydrate, a healthy carbohydrate, and higher amounts of protein. Uh, and on the partial fast days, I'm reaching virtually none. You know, really goes down to, to well, I still have protein, but it's, it's relatively small amounts, four or 500 calories, when normally on the other days, I'm having probably uh, around 4,000 calories. Uh, and I'm doing this because I'm, I'm in an anabolic phase trying to build uh, extra muscle mass. And it's hard to do that if you don't have enough food. All right. So, real rose, I would try it. Um, and uh, actually, the concern about the adrenals and the thyroid, as long as you're having enough iodine, make sure you're getting iodine. That's going to be a key thing. And adrenals could be, I mean, that's basically stress for the most part. So you have to focus on interventions that help reduce your stress. And there's so many day, ways to do that. Um, then Tina. Prodnick ask, thank you for all your information you're sharing. I'm, she's pre-ordered the book and uh, she was attending an anti-aging conference with Walter Longo, who I've interviewed twice, about the fasting mimicking diet. And she was impressed and she bought it. I think Tina's from overseas. She's in Switzerland. And let's see, she was happy with the outcome. Uh, and was thinking that next time she could do the five-day fast with home bone broth or keto vegetable soup. Yes, you could. Okay, so for those of you who are, aren't familiar with Walter Longo, he's a professor um, at USC, I believe, and is probably the most well-published uh, author in this area in fasting, fasting-mimicking diet, which he coined, it's, and trademarked, and copyrighted. It's an uh, approach where for five days, you're having low calories, essentially. It's not a complete water fast, it's a partial fast. First day is 1,000 calories, and then it goes down to 700 the next four days. So it's not, it's not even divided or customized for the person's weight. So I think people clearly get benefit from it, but it's very, the prolon that he sells is $300. That's $60 a day, $60 a day, and probably the food in there doesn't cost more than, it's definitely less than a dollar a day, probably 25 cents, I would think, somewhere in that range. So it's very, very expensive. And yes, you can replicate it. Uh, and that we have a Keto Fast book cook, cookbook coming out that gives you all the recipes that you can use to get the, the, the ratios that you need in there. So that would be one option. It would be uh, certainly a lot less expensive. But the, the more important thing is that I don't, don't think you need to do that. See, when you do the fasting mimicking diet, or water fasting, you're limited in the number of days that you can fast because you're just not gonna be able to do it more than once a month. Uh, the fasting mimicking diet, water fasting, for most people, you know, once they've reached the plateau, not more than once a quarter. So, and even that's kind of pushing it. So limited numbers of days per year where you're gonna get the benefits of 
regeneration, repair, and healing. So I would definitely, uh, that's why I like the partial fasting. And what I came to understand is that if you can do it twice a week, you're going to be able to do it 100 days a year, which is incredible. Where you're going to get the benefits. And you're cycling in and out, and you're more closely replicating. So doesn't mean you can never do a longer fast. No, it's probably some benefit for doing it occasionally. I'm not sure that it's necessary. I'm not sure that I will do a prolonged fast again. Uh, I may, I, intentionally, I mean, I may have to for some circumstances, but you know, by design, I, my, my, it doesn't, uh, it's not congruent with my current goals now. So I'm not, I don't plan on it, but so I think that um, should answer your question. Now, he, she also mentions though that Longo had mentioned that autopsy happened around the third day of fasting and stem cell activation around four or five. So I'm not sure of that data. I'd have to review the studies. But again, the, the keto fast is a 42-hour fast where you're having like three, actually significantly about half the calories that Longo is providing in his fasting mimicking diet. So in his strategy, yeah, it may have taken longer because he was still giving them more calories. So I think there's a value really compressing number of calories you're eating at a specific time. Uh, every time I do the partial fast, I tend to lose three to five pounds. So I won't do it if I'm below a certain threshold in my body weight. In my case, it's 100. Probably, I think I've looked at it once. If I'm weighing less than 180, I won't do a partial fast because I don't want to go down below that. Now, I've gone down to 165, you know, and I, that's way too low for me. People just don't think I look healthy on 165. So I'm trying to, trying to get between 180 and 185, maybe even higher. So, MOJ14195. <clears throat> Keto fasting has the potential for some really toxic people like me to have to be mindful about use, utilizing binders. So the question here is about binders. And wants to know if he can... Uh, being very toxic, should I have a more modified keto fasting schedule? What are the safest binders? What are the food source binders that are in keto? If so, what would be the best keto fasting binder? Meal B. Okay, so typically meals aren't binders. Um, but the lack of meals, wait, wait, see, the, a lot of people don't understand what happens in detox. But the reason why I switched from a water day, water, five day water fast to partial fasting is one of the powerful ones is that we live in the 20th century. In the 20th century, most of the toxins that we're exposed to fats are fat soluble and they're stored in our fat. And we've got a lot more toxins in the 21st century than in the 20th. There's over 80,000 of them. So if you're like most people and have extra weight, I mean, you know, 70% of the people in the US are overweight or obese. So you've got loads of toxins stored in your body. And when you start the process, you're going to be squeezing your fat cell contents out. And if there's no fat in there, the, the, the toxins, the fat soluble toxins that are stored in the cells have to be released. So you've got to optimize your body, not only with binders, but the liver, the binders are almost worthless. I mean, in, in, in some cases, because if your liver primarily doesn't have the capacity to metabolically uh, change the form of these, and help your body excrete them so they can be bound or excreted, then uh, you're going to be in problems. And that's what partial fasting does, is it, does, it gives you some protein and other nutrient sources so that your liver's not starving. 
and uh, it's a lot easier to do. And you, as I said, you can do it more frequently. So you get just regular bouts of partial fasting that allow your body to slowly and steadily uh, excrete these toxins. And there are certain binders. There's a whole variety of binders that you can use, and they're discussed in the book. I think a food-based one would be chlorella. The fermented chlorella is, is that we have in our stores, what I use every day. And uh, bakitasan, activated charcoal, uh, zeolites. There's a wide uh, uh, biocell, which is, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the specific, it's what it is. It's a choline something. Um, no, it's a zeolite. I know it's not, not a zeolite. Anyway, but BioCell is another one. It's good for removing aluminum. Um, so hopefully that's helpful. And Sus918362 asks, a year of keto diet using carb manager and now intermittent fasting. Cannot lose any weight. What's wrong? So Sus, or Su maybe that's short for Susan, I don't know. Uh, great question. Uh, this is so, so common. My strong guess is that you're doing continuous keto. There's nothing in your brief note that suggested you weren't. So I'm sure you got the macronutrient ratios correct, but the problem is it's exactly what you'd predict. It's going to work initially and then it'll stop working because you've got to cycle in and out, in and out. So you need to get more aggressive and go into the partial fast, and then you need to get higher carbs back in. And then interestingly, you'll start to really normal, in your case, it sounds like you need to lose more weight. You'll lose the weight. So, you know, it's, it, your body doesn't like things continuously for most, I mean, so, there are certain things, there's sleep, water, movement and exercise. But, you know, for our foods, um, you've got to mix things up. And especially with, you know, the feast and famine principles that I mentioned. So that's, that's a big thing. So Fitness Man 123 writes, what is the difference between fat for fuel and keto fast? Great question, Fitness Man. So the primary difference is that you cannot do keto fast unless you have done fat for fuel. So it's a follow-up. I mean, we, there's some brief descriptions in there, but if you, that would be the first book to read and understand or go on their site and follow the, the instructions how to do that. But essentially, the primary issue is to compress your eating window to six hours a day. If you needed to go to eight hours, you could. And then you do that for a month. And just by simply doing that for most people, unless you're really seriously metabolically damaged, you're going to be metabolically flexible. Now, it helps if you follow keto principles within that six-hour window, such as restricting your net carbs and not having lots of animal protein, which are high in branched-chain amino acids to stimulate mTOR. So that would be a really good idea. But as long as you're able to generate ketones, then you know, you, you're qualified to do uh, keto fast. Not everyone can do keto fast. Who can't? Uh, if you're pregnant, not a good idea. If you're breastfeeding, if you have an eating disorder, not a good strategy. Or if you're underweight. Uh, because you will lose weight when you're keto fasting. So we do not want you to lose more weight, that's for sure. So uh, if you are underweight because you have cancer, that's a very serious issue. And uh, we've got a lot of specific strategies on our site that you can start to figure that out. But ideally, uh, cancer is something that can take you out early. So you really want to find a qualified health clinician that can walk you through those processes and customize the program for you. Um, 
And sometimes you're going to, you combine that with conventional therapies. It's not necessarily bad. You just have to be careful on how you do it. Okay. LKM Carolina. I'm very confused about proteins and carbs. It seems that every day I read another conflicting article regarding animal protein that higher percentage of protein should come from plants. Uh, now let's discuss how that impacts carbs. I try to keep my total carbs under 20 grams since I've had breast cancer. This is almost impossible considering plants contain carbs and fibers included in the count. Would you comment on this? It's an interesting and good question. Again, goes back to the point that most, well, if, if you're keeping your total carbs under 20, that may be to, total, say there's two types of carbs. Total, which is what she say, says in here, or LMK, it could be a man, I'm sorry. LKM, I'm assuming Carolina might be from the state or Carolina might be her name, I don't know. So uh, if the total carbs are under 20, that's a pretty severe restriction. Net carbs would be the total carbs minus the fiber. So, she, and if those were mostly vegetables and she had 20 grams of carbs, she could have like three grams of net carbs. You know, it could be really, really low because most of the, the vegetables would be fiber. So the good thing at LKM is that you don't have to worry about this. You're, you do not want to be in continuous ketosis. It's a bad, bad strategy. So the good news is that you, you are clearly metabolically flexible. So you can go right on to keto fast and start feasting. Yes, have lots of carbs. Have 100, 150 grams. I wouldn't go much more than that. Uh, you could make an argument for some endurance people to go higher, but for most of us, 100, 150 grams is, you know, pretty healthy form of carb, a load of carbohydrates. And this, you know, it's, it's like seven times what you're taking now. So I think that'll make a big difference for you. And, uh, and I mentioned earlier about the cycling between the animal protein, the timing of it is so important. So fish buying rights. I'm not diabetic, but I suffer from hypoglycemia. What would I recommend and if I was to change to a ketogenic way of eating? Again, it's not continuous. It's cyclical ketogenic way of eating. And yes, uh, it's really interesting that both diabetes and hypoglycemia, that as we typically identify it as, not necessarily secondary to some drug reaction, but hypoglycemia are both related to the same problem. What's the problem? Insulin resistance. How many people have it? 85% of the population. So when you're insulin resistant, you really can't access your fat stores. So you have a limited amount of glucose or stored as glycogen in your body. And when you run out of it, you're gonna have symptoms or you'll be hypoglycemic. Now you can't, hypoglycemic is, is, is a clinical definition. It can't be really defined necessarily by your blood sugar level because I've known people and know of people uh, who are very, very healthy and have done some extraordinary metabolic interventions where they've gotten their blood sugar down to 30, even lower than 30, below the meter reading, and they were, had no symptoms at all. Now, other people, their blood sugar drops down to 70 and they'll, they'll be ready to faint. So the glucose, absolute glucose reading is, is not very helpful necessarily unless you correlate it to your specific symptoms. So you really can't go by the number to diagnose you if you have hypoglycemia. Because if normally you're running 120 and you're down to 70, it's gonna be a big problem, it's a big drop. So question, 
is this good for you? Absolutely. I think it's really good for everyone except for the people that I that I excluded earlier. You know, the breastfeeding, pregnant, uh, eating disorder, or underweight. Then it's probably not a good strategy. Although eating cyclical keto, I believe, is. You know, and then the details get into be what are your um, the, the the composition of the diet. What's it composed of? All right. So Sue Cook writes. Actually, you know what? Uh, well, I'll answer Susan. I'll go back up some of the Facebook ones now. I'd love to do the keto fast diet, but have multiple food intolerances, including nuts. Uh, this is actually a little more complex than I thought. I think it's only fair to go to some of our Facebook questions now. So I'm going to switch to Vasilios from Facebook. Now, I am confused. After the Luke Perry article, do I still eat organic? Luke Perry is the uh actor who recently developed a stroke and passed away uh, at a relatively early age so free do i still eat organic free-range eggs and butter as you previously said so many suggested or not and this basilios has been a vegetarian for 30 years and you it's you, i think there's a lot of vegetarians i just interviewed dr Weil. the interview is not published yet but i interviewed him he's also a vegetarian he's actually a pescatarian because he will eat eggs and fish, which I think is a very healthy strategy. Um, so yes, you should eat eggs. We're writing a big article on the the egg study that was published in JAMA last week. Bottom line is it's beyond fatally flawed. This the there are so many variables in there that weren't accounted for. Plus the the even the numbers they came up with were almost they're basically it's clinically insignificant. So I believe eggs are good for you. You want to have eggs. You want to eat them carefully so you don't want to scramble them you don't want to fry them you know I, the, the more gently you can cook them the better they're going to be for you they're a really great source of choline and choline is needed for so many things functions your body as a to help uh, methylate dna and to actually help extract the fat out of your liver so you don't get uh, uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease which is a real common problem so i think i'm a big believer in free-range eggs but they've got to be healthy and butter, same thing. They're, you know, red, eggs are not dairy. Butter can be problematic for some people, but it has a lot less of the, it is dairy, but obviously, but it has a lot less of the protein. It's mostly fat. So typically some of the protein issues tend to disappear with butter. The, uh, the protein issues that you have with dairy tend to disappear with butter. So how long before the body starts craving carbs and how do you mentally wrap yourself into believing that you don't need it. <laughs> All right, Marta, good question, and thanks for the laugh. Um, because you do need carbs. I believe you do need carbs. There are some interesting uh, transitions. Uh, Paul Saladino is a, is a physician who I'm interviewing in a month or so, and actually have communicated with. He, he was on Brent Greenfield's podcast. And, is a really, really bright new physician who's been an advocate of a carnivore diet for a long time. And he, I think, has come up with a way that's relatively healthy, as long as he integrates some partial fasting into it, that you could eat meat or just animal protein and not anything at all. It'd still be pretty healthy. He's got a lot of scientific support behind it. So I'll go into more detail when we have him on, our, on my podcast interview. But um, your, the, the issue is, is if, if you are insulin resistant, Marta, then 
you crave carbs because you have no fuel when you stop eating. So yeah, that's a good sign. Your body's telling you, give me some energy because I can't access the fat on my, on my body because I've been eating. I haven't ever not stopped eating for a while. Now you understand, Sachin Panda, I've interviewed him and he's really clear in his, he's, he's out of, uh, I think the Salk Institute. And he's found that 90% of the people in the United States, 90%, nine out of 10 people are eating more than 12 hours a day. Now I'm saying don't eat more than six hours a day. So that's probably only a few percent or less of the people in the country. So I don't think you're gonna get, I mean, 12 is the bare minimum. There's probably not much benefit of intermittent fasting at 12 hours. 14, you start to get some. I think 16, it starts to kick in the high gear and 18 is probably the sweet spot. Between 16 and 18. Uh, I don't think you need to go more than that and it becomes really problematic to try to squeeze all your calories in less than six hours. I mean, it's really hard to do. It's tough to fit in two meals in six hours or a snack, you know, let alone three. So, um, so when you are metabolically flexible, your cravings for carbs will disappear. And I'm sure you've heard me say it and many, many, many other people. It really is almost magical that you can stop eating, actually stop eating and the junk food and the carbs and the, the cravings just are gone. It's not, it's not an exercise in willpower or self uh, discipline, self-discipline. The, the desire is just not there. I mean, you could comfortably go to a birthday party, see people eating cake and ice cream and not even think twice about it. It was interesting. I had a contractor who's working for me and he actually has some pretty serious health issues. He's a, a little bit younger than I am. But, uh, you know, so I mean, he was sitting in his pickup and he was having a McDonald's fish bur or chicken nuggets and French fries and a, and a, and a Coke. And I said, you know, I couldn't uh, dis uh, not identify, describe, I couldn't formulate a worse food for lunch than that. <laughs> it was crazy. It's causing inflammation going through his roof. And, you know, and, you know, now it's a pretty tasty product, I think, for most people. Always why we sell so much. But. I mean, there is the point of the story is there was like not even a microgram of temptation. He couldn't pay me $10,000 to eat any of that. You know, so it's just, and that's not because I've, I happen to be very self-disciplined, but it's not because of willpower. It's just because it's, there's no desire. There's absolutely none. It's just easy to do. Okay. So get, we're going to Emma now. She's read mixed stories on whether keto is healthy long-term or not. I think I've actually addressed that with some of the other things. So. What do you do because long-term continuous keto is not healthy. At least that's my belief and I'm pretty convinced that's correct. So it's only short-term transition when you become metabolically flexible. Then you need to feast and famine. Feast and famine. And Sherry has the same thing we talked about earlier. She can't lose weight after 30 days with less than 20 carbs per day. Um, exactly the thing you're doing continuous keto exactly what you predict so you've got to get rigid go for the, the keto fast is perfect for you sherry exactly what you need anyone else who's been doing keto and is frustrated with the fact they're not losing weight then you do do the partial fasting with the keto fast it will, it will change your life you will be very very excited at the improvements so Connie on Facebook loves keto. She lost 23 pounds in two months and absolutely no problem keeping it off. My question is, is it necessary to check my blood levels to see if I'm in ketosis? Absolutely not. 
it's never necessary to check blood levels. It's just a sort of an academic curiosity. So there's multiple ways to check uh, levels. Blood is the best. Uh, it's the most expensive too. Uh, Keto Mojo is probably the best one. It'll cost you, sets you about $75, no, $75 I think or so. We'll give you 50 tests. So they only are a dollar a test, but it, you know, it's a nice to know and you can you know, see where you're at, but you really don't need it. You know, if you've lost, you are in ketosis. There's no way you would lose 23 pounds and not be in ketosis. So uh, I think the, you know, the numbers aren't really that important unless you're, you've got terminal cancer or something. And then the Thomas, after Thomas Seafried, uh, the glucose ketone index might be useful, but you know, for most of it, it's not necessary. Um, and then Jenny asks, how will keto affect NFLD? I have a very a prominent health advocate who uh, we have on our site regularly. And this person actually had NAFLD and was a bit overweight. And I just mentored her through this process and doesn't have it at all anymore. Now, since then, and actually it's been known for about 10 years or so, but I didn't really appreciate it until recently, that choline is a big, I mentioned earlier, is really important for NAFLD. So you want to make sure you're getting enough. And the choline, high sources of choline would be egg yolks. So three to four egg yolks a day would be probably cover most people's needs, but if that's not possible for whatever reason, you could use phosphatidylcholine, uh, and that will actually help quite well, even without dietary changes, but of course you wanna make the diet change first. Okay, John asks, is this a combination of keto and IF? No, it, I think I've already mentioned that because it's just, it's cyclical ketosis. So. I, Basically, I think everyone should be in a six-hour reading window. I mean, I could be regretting that in years to come, but I'm pretty confident of that. The research so far is pretty strongly suggesting that's the case. That doesn't mean like for the rest of your life. I mean, there's certainly nothing. You don't, I mean, there's going to be times when you when it's okay. If you do occasionally break that, it's not a problem. But, but regularly and pretty consistently, I think that's a good strategy. How much dairy? Uh, Luann asks. Why is keto different than the other diets? Well, I think we addressed that. Uh, why so much? Oh no, how much is why so much dairy? Well, as I mentioned, you have to have any dairy. Uh, and dairy can be problematic, especially the milk dairy. Butter is less so because not much of the protein, but why is it such a problem? Because the last thing you wanna do is have dairy in your partial fast, you know, the, the three or 400 calories because it's going to stimulate autophagy. It's loaded with branched-chain amino acids and maybe think, even things like colostrum and other things that will stimulate growth. And that's the last thing you want to do. When you stimulate growth, you're going to suppress autophagy. So definitely, you don't. You don't have to have any dairy. And for some people, getting rid of dairy is a great strategy. If you're going to have dairy, it should be A, organic, B, grass-fed, and ideally have casein A2. Casein A2 is the healthy form of casein. Uh, that is... Uh, the longer one, the newer version is casein A1, which is almost all the dairy and, and more problematic. So, but even if you had a casein, and you can get casein A2 almost 100% if you have like goats or sheep, uh, and some cows have it, you just have to be careful. You almost have to have the cow tested to see what his genes show. Um, okay, we've got time for a few more. Um, Mary asked a good question. Oh, actually, Marta asked another question. I'll follow up on this. Is net carbs, no, no, Marta, did Marta ask another one beforehand? Yes, she did. How long are you ready for a subscribe card? So Marta asked also, is keto good to eliminate cellulite? 
One word answer, yes. It was good. Now you want to combine it with exercise, of course, but that would be really a great strategy because you're accessing your body's forms. In fact, it's interesting when people lose weight um, by low calories rather than fasting. It's, it, it's, so in other words, autophagy isn't always activated. Then they tend to have fat pads or fat masses that need to be surgically removed. When you do it with the fasting, it, it just, the body eats it up and there's, it's not required. So it gets rid of your cellulite. So I think it would be a good strategy. Uh, Beth, is keto dangerous for people with low blood sugar, non-diabetic hypoglycemia? No. In fact, it is the solution for that because of you have insulin resistance, Beth. Um, Mary, I want to get back to her. So yes, does, do calories matter if you eat keto? Again, you know, that's a suggestion and a question that they're doing continuous keto. We don't want you to do continuous keto. So yes, calories matter. And that's why we cycle them in and out. So you go to high calories, low calories, high calories, low calories. But in the transition phase, it'll be really important to restrict your calories to a certain level and pay attention to the macronutrient ratios so that you can become metabolically flexible. Once you're flexible though, and you want to get into the anabolic phase and build muscle mass, you're going to have to have extra calories. I mean, you're going to have, you know, I'm probably maybe eating too many calories because I'm way over 4,000 calories. Some days I even go to 5,000 calories, which is, it's hard to eat 5,000 calories in six hours. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but it's, it's definitely difficult. Um, so, you know, so you don't, the point being that you don't have to be as concerned about that. It's not as big an issue. Um, it's really the composition of the diet that's more important. Oh, Blazine asked a really good question. Hi, Dr. McCullough, I'd like to know if sourdough bread is good. Well, that's a great question, Blazina. Um, first, if, if, if the sourdough bread um, was started from good organic grains that weren't loaded with glyphosate because they used it to dehydrate or desiccate the, the wheat, then it would be better. Uh, I actually had sourdough bread for a while. I purchased it, imported it from Austria, where it was uh, it was clean grain, and they used official sourdough starters for it. And I actually, it was imported into Florida, and then I purchased it from a Florida bakery um, that was shipped to my home. But what I come to came to understand is that I have a SNP that essentially makes gluten and microgram quantities even damaging to me specifically. So. If you have that and you shouldn't have gluten, definitely sourdough bread. I don't care if it's sourdough, the best sourdough in the world. It tastes good, but it's not good for you. Uh, and then if you have SIBO, small intestinal, back, uh, small intestine bowel over, overgrowth, uh, you do not want to have that. So I think it's wise for most people to stay away from the grains. Doesn't mean the rest of your life or forever, but it's typically a good strategy to have. So I have a regular loaves of sourdough bread. I don't think it's a good idea. Um, and it's a little, you know, there's healthier ways to get carbs than, than grains. So I think that's about all the time we have for this. And I'm, I'm gonna see if, there were so many good questions that I'm gonna see what your response is to this and see if I'll do another one, give you some more information. 
because we didn't really go into the details of how to do it, and we can go into that uh, perhaps more in the next one. So again, thank you for all your support. Uh, ketofast.com is where you can go to get pre-order the book, or you can go directly on Amazon, but if you, I think you get some bonuses on our site, ketofast.com. And book launches on April 30th, which is just short of a, I mean, just about a month now, a little over a month. So uh, it's a, I think you'll really be delighted at it and pleased uh, with its simplicity. And even more so the effectiveness and the power to really uh, leverage uh, what I believe is uh, your, the, the part of the grand design to optimize your health. So it's just a matter of uncovering the simple principles and how to do that. And, um, the, you know, the fat for fuel and keto fast are two, uh, part of a trilogy. And the next book is on EMF. And these I view as the foundational building blocks that you want to do to A, prevent all chronic degenerative disease, cancer, heart disease, and diabetes and obesity. Uh, live as long and healthy as you possibly can. So at, at least to our over 100 and in, with full function in your brain and not come down with Alzheimer's. So these are the three strategies that I think are really so crucial. And then, then I'm working on books after that that are even additional things that you can do. But these are the foundational books. So just, you know, I, I grew up in Chicago uh, and followed the Bulls for a while. This is the last time I watched TV regularly, which was in the mid 90s. And uh, I used to enjoy it. I watched my mom who passed away last year or, yeah, last or the year year before last. And um, M Michael Jordan was a magnificent athlete. I'm a little bit disappointed in how he's taken care of his body since his professional career days ended. But he was one of the best athletes that, that ever lived. I'm, I'm convinced, at least from my perspective. And it was such a joy to watch him. But you know, the reason the Bulls won six world championships wasn't because of Michael. I mean, he was played a big factor, but it was really because of Phil, Phil, uh, Phil who was the coach and really mentor them on how to really work as a teamwork and put all the pieces together. So you have to, and, and, and mentor them on the foundational basics. And that's what these books are. They're the foundational basis of staying healthy. So you don't have to be a superstar to do it. You just have to put it all together. So yeah. And it's interesting after Phil coached the bulls to six world championships that I think he went to the Lakers and they got, I forget how many more he got, but he I think he may have 10 or more, maybe even set the record. So it's these principles that work. I mean, it, he's had good athletes on both teams. So it's just really applying these basics. So hopefully this is helpful and uh, you'll pick up a copy and we'll benefit from it.